Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of How Not to Be a Youth Pastor. My name is Kyle. I'm with Derek, and we are so excited to be back with you guys for another episode. Kyle, how are you today? I am doing great, I've never gotten to ask you that on an episode, so (laughs) I wanted to ask in front of all of our captive audience, how are you? I, you know, I can't complain. Um... My such a Minnesotan response. I I, I woke complain. up. I woke up this morning. I was alive. It's uh, good. As as some people say, any day above Earth is a good day. I would I, okay. I agree with that, but I think people in heaven would disagree. But well, there is maybe that. it's every day above the ground. <laughs> there you go. That works. That, that yeah, better? that All right. works. Sure. Quick question of the day, uh, Derek. What's your favorite episode of The Office? Both of us are. Uh, definitely some big fans, and uh, I one of my favorite youth ministry stories was that I had a student entering our our ministry as a sixth grader, and the summer before she started in our ministry as a sixth grader, she went through and watched all nine seasons of The Office in order to. That's how no she felt. Way. That's how she felt she needed to prepare. Uh, I mean, I think that's for a our worthy youth ministry. preparation, uh, just because The Office is. So good. And I was telling Kyle before our episode here that I feel like when it comes to the show, The Office, you have one of two beliefs uh, with how people feel about it. The first one is they absolutely love it. Yep. And the second one is they absolutely hate it. There really is no in between, which I just think is hilarious. I think you and I, uh, Kyle, would would fall in the category of absolutely loving it. I cannot get enough of The Office. Oh, for sure. And have you seen the British version of The Office? Yes, and I don't like it. That no, much. no, I, it's I, it's all right. I I that's another one where you know a lot of people, uh, more people hate it than love it for yep. sure. Um, but I thought I thought it was all right. It's all right. But I do. I've really enjoyed listening. Uh, Brian Bumgarner, who's the actor yep. that plays Kevin Malone on The yep. Office, has a podcast series where he got it's a deep dive into The Office, and he does you know hour long interviews with uh, various people in The Office, and he goes beyond the actors to people that were working on the set or some of the producers. Uh, just different people uh, that were involved in it. And so that's been uh, really, really fun to listen through. But anyways. My favorite episode, Kyle, is the one uh, you just told me the name of the episode, and I forgot it because oh that's goodness. how I roll with uh, you know, no sleep. But I love the episode where Dwight starts a mock fire in the in the office because he's trying to train and prepare people. He yep. keeps yelling, what's the procedure? <laughs> and uh, it is just a great, great. I love Dwight. I cannot get enough of Dwight. Yep, that so would be my, that'd be stress relief. Stress relief. Yes. I I always think it. I don't know why I thought it was safety training, but yes, stress relief. Uh, I just love Dwight, and I particularly love Jim and Dwight's shenanigans back and forth. Like those little snippets pre-episode yep. are almost always my favorite parts of the episode. Usually, oh but for sure. Yeah, so just good. the chaos in that moment of everybody trying, and Dwight's already gone over and locked all of the doors, yep. and uh, everybody's trying to get out. Oscar jumps up through the ceiling. They're it's, like shoving so the copier good. against the window to try and yep. bust it open, yep. and Michael uses an overhead projector. Yeah, to- launches it through the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, but I, I forgot about that part. It's it's so good. But I'm curious to know you. I think you're probably more of a frequent office viewer than I am. And so you said you got a really good I, one. I do. And listen, it's hard to narrow it down to just one episode. Of uh, course. Yeah. You know, one of the ones that is near my top. Uh, and this is this is one 
you talk to a lot of people, this episode's going to be there literally at the bottom. Their single least favorite episode. Really? I'm 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 curious now. But this one this one's near the top for me. It's not number 1, but it's near the top and that's Scott's Tots. Uh it Who is Who in their right mind would rank that low? <laughs> that is so funny. I have heard people say that they they skip it. Like they've seen it before, and so they know what happens. And when they rewatch The Office, they have to skip the episode because they just can't bring themselves to watch that episode. I think it's so funny. I literally was telling somebody yesterday, like you, you get that feeling when you're awkward or embarrassed for somebody. Like, oh you, yeah, you feel that That's secondhand embarrassment. I have to imagine that's why people want to skip that mm-hmm. because it's just so palpable. Yeah. The the people that are high in empathy maybe are the ones. Yep, that just can't totally. Take oh it. yeah. Oh no, but no. My my favorite episode I think of The Office is uh, the dinner party uh, that oh. Jan and Michael host, and and it's Pam. And Jim that come over and Andy and Angela and then Dwight shows up with like his old babysitter mm-hmm. and uh, that that episode that little TV that you I love on it. The wall. Yep, there's there's the yes the <laughs> flat screen TV mm-hmm. you push right into the wall. <laughs> um, no, I, one of my favorite parts of that episode though, you talk about Jim and Dwight going back and forth, mm-hmm. and uh, the, it's when they're I guess it's. Uh, Jim and Michael it, in this instance, but it's when they're playing. I think it's uh, charades, or you know, you got to yep. try and guess the name. Mm-hmm. And Jim is intentionally. I think it's Tom Cruise that Michael's trying to get Jim to guess. Yep. And Jim's just naming off characters that Tom Cruise has played in a movie, or uh, yep. names off whoever Tom Cruise was married to, or you know, different <laughs> things like that. And then Michael moves on and grabs a new name, and I think it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and. Jim's first guess is Tom Cruise. You know, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. Uh, but that's, yes, uh, we We've highly recommend. most of our audience. Well, no, we still have the half that love The Office. Good. That's true. Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's, always, that's always the one. But we're not here just to talk about The Office, are we, Derek? We are not. We are not. And today we want to talk about something that uh, is not always easy to talk about, but something that needs to be addressed because... The nature of our job as pastors, as youth pastors, from the outside, right, people, when they see Kyle and I in our element doing what we're doing, they see a lot of cool things. They see, at least we hope they do, they see us hanging out with teenagers and teenagers going through these life-transforming, awesome moments with God, going to camps, going to retreats, having these great moments. Uh, they see us spending our, quote-unquote, work hours going to play video games with students, going out to eat, hanging out, doing a whole bunch of shenanigans, and people go, man, that's the sweetest job in the world. And uh, we would both say we both love our jobs most of the time. But what people don't always see is that the other part of the job is that you get to walk through some of the toughest, most life-changing traumatic events that your parents, that your adults in your church walk through, and you're in it with them side by side as if it just happened to you. And so today we want to talk about tragedies and tragedies within your ministry. Uh, We're not talking necessarily about tragedies that happen in our personal lives. We're talking about what you do as a pastor Mm -hmm. when your church, your youth students, somebody within your ministry context walks through a tragedy. Yeah, and... You know, this is this is not. I, I wish this wasn't the case. I wish I could look at you know any other youth pastor, any other pastor in general, and say that 
you know, oh, it probably won't happen to you. But, you know, the yeah. odds are at some point, if you're in ministry long enough, uh, there are going to be things that come up that, that are just tragic, yeah. uh, that are out of your control. Just life happens uh, to different people. And, uh, you know, at some point, every pastor is going to kind of walk through that. And so, you know, it's not something that is is something to dread. It's yeah. not something to to that we're trying to fill everybody with anxiety. Yeah. Uh, but really, it's something that you know, if you if you can take some steps to prepare now, uh, when the time comes where where you're in a situation like this, uh, you're gonna have some things in place that are gonna help you help you personally walk through this situation a little yep. bit better and help you help others walk through uh and and that's really the the whole point of you know you being a pastor in this situation is to help people walk through uh this tragedy that just happened in their lives certainly and it, it's one of those things that we're going to talk about you can't plan for it you can't no. you can't like just say oh well I'm going to schedule this tragedy happening <laughs> like it, it it inevitably comes out of the blue out of nowhere and so to Kyle's point it's not something as a as a pastor you have to go. I'm I'm just like dreading that. I'm not looking forward to it. It's more so as he's saying, it's just being prepared because right. there's a lot of stuff within the tragedy you can't prepare for, but there are some things that you can. And so I think it's important right now to even just define what a tragedy is because in reality everybody can define it differently. And so I just wanted to find like the universal definition. It's not that I'm sure. inherently from, a nerd. From our boy Webster. From our boy Webster. Good friend of good the show. <laughs> I was waiting for. I was got really him. hoping you were gonna bring that up. <laughs> Webster's a good friend of the show, maybe and Webster might be dead. Who knows? I'm not I have no I'm gonna look it up while you please do share this. Well, I talk about real things. Kyle will look up fake things and, and irrelevant things, which is kind of how we roll as a team here. That was a shot against him, and he's too busy. I legitimately did not hear what yeah, you Yeah, because said. you're a male. You can't multitask. I that, can't. That, it's true. Well, it's, so are you. Well, I know. I included myself in there, all right? I'm, yikes. Okay. Anyways, uh, tragedy is defined by our boy Webster, who's a good friend of the show and may or may not be living, is an event causing great suffering, destruction, and distress, such as a serious accident, a crime, or a natural catastrophe. Before I go any farther, Kyle, please update us on what you're finding. So, first of all, uh, I'm going to give you 12 guesses on Webster's first name. I'm kidding. Maybe William. one, but no. Uh, Noah Webster. What a name. Uh, uh, in 1806, so definitely dead. In 1806, uh, Noah Webster published his first dictionary. Uh, he was also a spelling reformer uh, because he believed that English spelling rules were unnecessarily complex. Uh, Amen. Clearly, he did not reform it enough because yep. that is still the case. Correct. Uh, but in 1843, he died, and the publishers George Merriam and Charles Merriam yep. uh, picked up the dictionary, and they were the ones that published it, and so that's where Merriam-Webster gets its Look name at from that kyle i learned something new today so Thank you the most for... the most important thing though is that mr noah webster is for sure dead okay well that's, yeah that's experience we know that some, some might say he experienced his family experienced a, a tragedy. tragedy look at that look at that you know and so like we joke but realistically a tragedy uh is is tough to define because i, I like how in this particular definition they say it's an event like they don't mention what kind of event. It's just an event. It's yeah, that's ambiguous. Really... Because for some people, I mean, if you look at causing great suffering, destruction, and distress, 
Some would say my fantasy team losing on Sunday is a yes, tragedy. Yes, that is a tragedy, and <laughs> you're gonna get slapped in the face by your wife when you get home and she watches <laughs> this episode. But you know, so for some people, the destruction of their marriage is a tragedy. The destruction of their family when they get divorced. Like there's there's all these different definitions. So for our intent and purposes today, uh, we're talking about like. Uh, not that uh, a destruction of a marriage or a divorce or anything like that is not a tragedy. We're talking about very traumatic things. Right, that, typically you know, like loss of life. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Or some, you know, I, I, we've seen, they say natural catastrophe. We've seen churches that just get destroyed by hurricanes and rainstorms and houses are amok and people have nowhere to stay. So we're talking about that type of thing mm-hmm. within tragedy. But, uh, even within that, right, every single tragedy is different and not just in the severity, but like our proximity to it. So, for example, um, if you compare a loss of a house to a loss of a life, some would right. say that obviously a loss of a life is more traumatic and more severe, more tragic. Uh, but at the same time, if it's your house that you're losing mm-hmm. and you're talking about the loss of a distant relative, it might feel a little different to you. Right. And so when we're talking about tragedies, the reality is every single tragedy looks different, both in the severity of it and your proximity different. And so to your to you know, to what we talked about, you can't always just plan exactly what you want because it's different every time. And especially in the context of youth ministry, uh, you know, when you have uh, children and students that are involved in trying to process a tragedy. Uh, you know, that's going to look very, very different to them too. And, and they might not really understand how to process it. Some of them, you know, I've, I've seen uh, kids or students that, that are a little bit more, it, it's, it almost comes across as easier for them to process because they, ha- they haven't even processed the full scale of sure. what happened. Yep. Uh, and then you get other instances where, you know, like you talked about a house fire where, that's that how many how many memories you know are associated with that and if it was the house that you grew up in your entire life you know that's that's going to hit differently than a house that you just moved into a year ago right and so you know within youth uh, youth ministry context uh you know every every single person involved is going to process it a little bit differently especially especially students and from student to student yeah as you're mentioning some students are naturally a little more emotional. They feel things on a deeper level. Sure. Yeah. Some, some just, you know, I have particular students. We're going to talk about a few specific tragedies that I've walked through because it, this is one of those things. Sometimes when you, when you gain some insight from a book or from a podcast, it's very theoretical. It's very informed intellectual. And while that is the case here, this is also something that I personally lived through. I know you've lived through some tragedies. We've, we've witnessed, you know, secondhand some really traumatic things, but what I have seen in in my particular students is that just because they process it differently, it does not mean they're any less affected. And right. what I mean by that is I have some students who are very emotional and they will show up because they're not afraid to. But then I have the other student who looks like he's okay and he seems fine or she seems fine. In reality, they're feeling it on a deeper level. They yeah. just show it differently. Yeah. And it's going to come out in different timelines for some students as well. And and this is another thing you'll see more often in students uh, than you will in adults, but you know, you're you're gonna get some some moments where th- this or that student is walking through something, and one student is not gonna have any problem at all. Yep. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna process it just fine, and the other student's gonna process it six months later. Right. You know, something's right. gonna trigger in their life, and they're gonna break down because they they haven't still haven't really processed this. And so when we talk about 
walking through tragedy uh, in ministry, it's it's not something that's going to be like, oh, just the night of, and then right. and then you go home and you're good to go. It's a moving target, and it's yep. something that you have to go into on a case-by-case basis and really be in tune to the leading of the Holy Spirit because really that that's what we're called to do. And so uh, I just want to walk through some universal principles that when it comes to handling tragedies within a youth ministry context or even just a ministry context in general, here are some of the things that I think are very valuable. And uh, they're not necessarily, you know, sequential. They're not necessarily you need to do this and then that and then this thing. These are all just generic principles that I think are very important. But the first one I want to mention is when you're dealing with a tragedy within your ministry context, listen more than you speak. Mm-hmm. Like you are there to comfort those that are walking through the traumatic experience, right? You're not there to provide answers. You don't need to walk into a situation and, you know, because a lot of times the family has questions. They're like, why did this happen? Why could God allow this? You're not there to provide a theological explanation at that moment. You are there to comfort them. You're there to be a shoulder to cry on. You're there to be a presence to be felt by them. It's okay to say, I don't know. Like that is my biggest piece, especially to younger pastors who walk through tragedy early on. It's like, don't feel like you need to go in there and defend God. You don't have to go in there and and have explanations as to why things are happening this way. It's okay to say, you know what? I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's true both in tragedies and in youth ministry and just ministry in general. Like there, I encourage our students all the time, like it's okay to not have an answer to something and then go and you know, like in a, in a more intellectual sense, okay, I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to go figure it out. Uh, you know, in a, in a tragedy sense, if, if somebody has a question or something, it's okay to say, I don't know. And, and kind of leave it a little bit open-handed. Like I, I don't have the answer right now. And, and there are just going to be some things walking through tragedy that unfortunately we aren't going to have the answer to. And, and that's okay. Um, another one that, uh, you know, just universal principle that uh, <laughs> should come naturally to pastors because yep. this is something that is true already. Yeah. Uh, but be available. Uh, you know, unfortunately, like Derek mentioned, we don't get to pick uh, when we schedule these tragedies mm-hmm. to happen. Uh, you know, I, I I think I got a slow day coming up in the office on Thursday. So if a tragedy is gonna, I'll is pencil gonna hit, it in. We'll pencil it in for that. You know, it happens whenever, wherever, uh, and and that's not something that that we get to pick. Right. And, and, and that's, what's hard is, you know, you, you joke about slow days. Like when it comes to being available in a lot of times you need to drop everything you're doing and be available yep. right in that moment. Right. Like, like regardless of what your preferences are, regardless of what your plans are for the day, depending on the nature of the tragedy, you don't have a choice. I mean, I, I'm going to bring up a, a particular situation. I walked through, this is about two years ago. Um, uh, it was my day off. It was a Tuesday, so I normally don't have Tuesdays off, but it had been a crazy weekend. We had had a youth convention that weekend. Monday I had some stuff to do, so i just been like going crazy. And so I, I thought, you know what? Tuesday's going to be a slow day. Wednesday, I already got stuff prepared and planned. I'm just going to like – at the time, my wife was working from home as well. And so like straight up, I stayed in my sweats as soon as I got out of bed. We jumped in the car, went and grabbed breakfast, dropped my kid off, and we were just going to go home, watch movies, and just chill. Mm-hmm. So I'm in my sweatpants and a t-shirt. And I no sooner dropped off my son at daycare that my senior pastor calls me and goes, hey, we got to get up to the high school. There was there was a suicide last night, and the superintendent needs us there. I'm in sweatpants, right? right? Like I have plans to go home and just to relax and recharge. But in that moment, 
that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. In that moment, we need to be light. We need to be Jesus. We need to be the light of the world to the school that needs it right now. And so, like, yeah, like my preference and my desire and my need, honestly, in that moment was to go home and rest. But when tragedy calls, you answer the call because yep. you need to. That That's what we are here to do, you know. And, and with that, I think your family needs to be on that same page, right? Like, you got to have that discussion if you're married. you got to mm-hmm. have that discussion with your spouse ahead of time of, depending on what's happening, what's my response here? Right. You know, because there are certain moments where I'm going to get to this situation later because I think it's going to come up again. But there are certain tragedies where even if you have family stuff going on, mm-hmm. it's got to be put on hold yep. because this is a big one. This is this is something that can't be touched. And, you know, we talk a lot about boundaries. We talk a lot about, you know, sometimes you might have to say no to things because for the sake of your family, for the sake of stuff. But, tragedies are all about the moment. They're all about being there as soon as you can. And sometimes you need to jump in no matter what. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but as our good friend of the show, Noah Webster would say, (laughs) rules were meant to be broken. Much like English, you know, there are plenty of rules in English that you're like, okay, yeah, but then here's a couple exceptions. Yeah. You know, in ministry, we can set all the boundaries we want and that is good and you should. Yep. But there are also going to be things that come up that say, yeah, no, this boundary needs to be broken. Like I need to, I need to leave this family function. I need to, you know, leave this date night. I need to, you know, there are going to be things that come up that, uh, and, and if you are, you know, if you are in ministry, if you are thinking about going into ministry or if you're in ministry and thinking about, uh, you know, marriage, that these are conversations that it's very helpful to have on the front end yep. uh, before they happen so that yep. you're not sitting right. You and you and your spouse are out to eat at a fancy restaurant and you get a call that. Uh, you know, you're needed somewhere, something happened, and then you guys spend 10 minutes in the restaurant trying yep. to, you know, figure out, oh, do I go? Do we eat first and then go? Like, right. what's, where's the line with this? And so yep. I, as much as you can have those conversations ahead of time and, and be on the same page with your spouse, with your family, uh, when those things come up, it's it's going to just take one more thing off of your plate yep. that uh, that you don't necessarily need to be thinking about. Uh, in the moment. That's so good, man, because I, it, what, I, what I'm what i thinking about when you're saying that is in a lot of ways, your spouse, who I assume if they married you as a youth pastor, you as a pastor, is already bought in to being a pastor's right. wife. They're already bought into the... Or husband. The, yes, thank you. Uh, to the vision, to the, to the mission that they're called. And so the reality is they're already committed to being a part of this. And odds are, if it's a tragedy that requires your immediate attention... They understand the weight of what's happening, right? And so, if they're on mission with you, then that that's a fairly you know routine thing. But at the same time, it is good to have those discussions ahead of time because, as we've said a bunch of times, it comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. with zero preparation, and honestly, it usually comes in a less than convenient time. Right. Absolutely. And the other thing with you know that comes with being available is uh, you know wherever this tragedy is, the again. It's happened before, but the odds are you are not going to immediately be there. And so, yeah. you know, your choice, you have, you have two options, right? They come to you or you go to them, man, go to them. Yep. Uh, don't make wh- whatever's going on, uh, your presence being where they're at is going to be so much more beneficial than, than making them come to you. And that's going to, that's going to kind of go into play in well, uh, with the next one that we, we have on the list here, which is, 
uh, you know, to be prayed up mm-hmm. and, and walk into the, whatever situation you're walking into, uh, you know, have had spend some time in prayer ahead of time. And if you are at home and you get the call that you're needed at the high school, pray in the car. Yep. You know, you, you are praying the whole way there. Yep. Yeah, and a lot of times you don't know what you're praying for. And yeah, so, that's you know, true. It's, it's one of those things where you're you're asking God for the words. You're yep. asking like like straight up. I, I We don't necessarily talk about this a ton, but a lot of times when I'm in this, I'm just speaking in my, in my prayer language because it's like I don't know what to pray for. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what, what I'm walking into. And the reality is, is you are oftentimes walking into a situation completely blind. Mm-hmm. You might have the bare bones. You might know exactly what's going on. You might, but... In the case of going to a school like Kyle's talking about, sometimes you don't know the name of the student. You don't know who else is impacted. I will never forget. You, I talked about that sweatpants story. I walk into the school. They bring us into a group of counselors and teachers. They're debriefing them what, what the school's response is. Then they say, we have a bunch of students in the media center who are going to just look for some help and support, dude. We walked into that media center, and you could hear the weeping through the door. You could yeah. hear hundreds of students in there comforting each other, crying, grappling with the weight of what they just experienced. And no amount of preparation can prepare you for that. No Mm -hmm. amount of book or or instruction can prepare you for the weight of going the loss and deprivation on this level is unparalleled. Like you, the only way you can possibly be prepared for that is through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's for God to just give you some form of comfort and strength to fill your mouth with words, to, 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 let his spirit, you know, just fill you so you can be there for people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you don't know what you're walking into, and so let God speak through you. You need to. Uh, that's that's got to be prayer number one in that situation. Uh, fourth thing that, uh, just principle that, that we would encourage, uh, would to be vulnerable, for, for a pastor in that situation, be vulnerable and be real, uh, but at the same time, be stable, and, yeah. right, and and just be a place of of peace for you know people to process. Like you said, if you're walking into that room of high schoolers, man, I'm here to help you process, and I'm yeah. here as as a safe place where where I can be a stabilizing f- factor in yeah. this equation. Uh, you know, and and we're not saying oh you need to bury all of your emotions and just right. shove them deep down into mm-hmm. a place that you'll never open again. Like that's not healthy. No, that's not gonna work. Not but, at all. You know, as pastors, you know, you're being called to the situation. People are looking at you uh, so that they can lean on you, and that's good. You can show your emotion. Uh, and and you're processing your own emotions sometimes in that situation yeah. as well. But you still have to. Uh, you know, be mindful of uh, I'm here to accomplish a task. If you go in there and you're a mess and you are like, and you are just like, I can't grapple with this. Why did God do this? And then I'm like a mess. That doesn't help. You know, that, mm-hmm. that only if, because in a lot of ways, whether it's right or wrong, I'm not entirely sure. But if a pastor is called, odds are it's because the person calling is looking for one stability, right? Like they're mm-hmm. calling you to be yep. a, p- a place of, okay. But they're also calling you because if there's a law specifically, naturally there people are looking to you because you, you dabble a lot with what eternity looks like and life after death, mm-hmm. all that type of thing. So if you walk into that, whichever way they look at you, regardless, they're looking at you of like a, okay, the pastor's here. Like they're looking to you as a place to lean on, to be strong. If you come in, you're like, I can't believe this happened. This is so awful. 
now they have nothing to lean on. And now, right. now, yep. now the despair is at a higher level. And so like Kyle is saying, we're not saying you just need to bury your emotions and, and just get over it. But we are asking us to package them up and set them aside for a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, because what I want to talk about next is just as you are there for other people, we need to have a support system ourselves, right? Like we we need to have a place to process and grieve this out with people outside of those that are connected to the tragedy. Um, I will never forget. I would love to end the episode here with kind of this particular tragedy. I'm not going to go too much into it right now because I want to walk through from start to finish. But uh, one of the toughest tragedies I have walked through to date as a pastor um, was something that was very real and it was it was it was high severity and high proximity mm-hmm. um, something that was very intense but something that was very close to me as well and I will never forget my youth pastor Kyle uh, not the one across from me my my the guy that pastored me I'll never forget him calling the night after he got wind of it uh, and calling me asking me how I'm doing you know processing yeah. it through with me that phone call I will never ever forget because in that moment I had gotten home and I had just started to process myself. I had packaged my emotions and set them aside so I could be there for the family. But when I got home, I was just like, I was broken. I, w- I was distraught. Yep. I, w- I felt alone on, the, on this island. And my youth pastor called me and said, how are you? Like, talk it through with me. Mm-hmm. And so he was there for emotional support. Uh, but at the same time, he got to be there to just help me, like, figure it out like okay mm-hmm. like like how are things going do you need help with anything so that support system that you have outside of your network is massive because you're gonna need somebody to be there for you as you're being there for other people and if nothing else they can help walk through the the practice and so youth pastors in the room if, or those who are listening when you are there for tragedies even if people don't know what's happening and reach out to you reach out to somebody because you need to have that support system around you yeah, it you know, like we mentioned before, uh, as as a youth pastor, you're not trying to you know bury your emotions forever, mm-hmm. uh, but there might be you know a situation where I need to take my emotions and and put them on pause and processing this on pause for just a little bit. Yeah, you know, and and, and on the pause thing, which is kind of an aside, which I just want to mention is if you get a call from person a person b who is informing you that there's a tragedy ben you need to be very cognizant of minimizing that shock factor like mm-hmm. when you get that that wretched phone call of something happened you also need to control your emotions and go <gasps> like you can't you can't be doing that you can't be going like oh my gosh like you don't want to feed into that at all if you don't have to and so you know i would i would just kind of as, as an aside to that it's something we didn't necessarily go into in, in depth but if you do get that call you know outside of, of packaging your emotions just try to control them in that moment too because we're just looking to just mitigate the hurt and the weight of what's happening and sometimes you need to control your emotions to do that yeah and just understanding uh you know the role that you have uh, can be can be really really important in these situations uh, you know we 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 bring the light right yep. but we are not the light correct and and I think that depending on on the situation you know pointing people uh, to to the source of their eventual comfort yep. is is going to do more you know you you need to you, you might need to be that that source of immediate comfort. Yep. But at some point, you know that that burden's got to be 
placed off of you and and right. onto God and right. and Jesus and get, like that's that's kind of the point. And so we're our goal is to bring God into the hardest thing that they have gone through yep. in their life. Yep. And and that transition can be a, a tricky one, but it's one that needs to happen because if they look to you for their comfort and not Jesus, one they're missing out on Jesus. Two, they're putting you on a pedestal that you can't possibly come down from. Yep. You know, and so well, sometimes that transition looks like to Kyle's point, that immediate source of comfort looks like I'm so sorry. It's hugs, it's being there, it's that type of thing, but at some point you need to bridge the gap. And what I like to do is I like to welcome God into it right there in the moment. You know, Mm -hmm. I like to, I like to pray if I can. I like to welcome God into it and say, I don't know, but I just know I I love you. God loves you. Like always bringing him into it. And just because like Kyle is saying, we're not the light. Like we can't be, but we can bring it in to a place that's dark. And that kind of just like trickles into when it comes to helping people through tragedy be open to what that family needs because every single tragedy you walk through, every single place, it might not even be a family, it might be a school, be open to what that family needs, right? We talk about a school. If there has been a tragic event in the school, you're called in there to be an opening ear, a listening ear, to offer some immediate counseling. And I'm not talking about like therapy. I'm talking about grief counseling. Things yeah. just take off that moment. That might, that might be what's needed. Uh, they might be looking to you for emotional support. They might be looking to you for just being a presence there. Um, depending on the situation, they might need somebody to stay with them that night just to kind of be a presence so they're not sitting in an empty house all by themselves. Again, talk with your family, talk with your spouse, or understand boundaries there, but be open to that. Uh, you know, they might be, if there is a loss, they might be looking for you to do a funeral, be open to that. Uh, something that Meg and I, my wife, uh, we have found is, um, if there is a loss in the family, care for the survivors intentionally. And so in the situation I'm going to explain here in just a little bit, uh, there was a loss in a family. And so the siblings who were in the house dealing with funeral preparations, they were dealing with all the weight, all the not fun stuff of a loss of a sibling. Um, Meg and I just scooped him up, brought him out, grabbed Raising Canes, went and grabbed some candy at Five Below just bring in some form of normalcy for them and care for the family outside of that because mm-hmm. they are dealing with a lot, you know, and like there's a lot of practice that need to be discussed about tragedies, but at the same time, care for those around that are more on the fringe, not just the ones that are immediately, immediately impacted. Yeah, that's so true. And there's, you know, th- there's a long road ahead. Certainly. Uh, and yeah. so in that moment, uh, you know, if you can, like Derek said, if you can bring some sort of normalcy, uh, into, into it in, in the couple days immediately after, uh, you know, grab the kids or, or, you know, take them somewhere or, or do something yeah. where, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to likely f- just, you know, magically forget. Right. Uh, but, but at least to giving them that opportunity. And sometimes that can be, uh, an opportunity for them to process a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, anybody who's worked with teenagers uh, for more than about five minutes knows that, you know, teenage guys uh, connect th- oftentimes much more through some sort of activity. Yeah. Right. It's going to be, uh, you know, playing basketball or playing a video games or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes it's just, hey, I'm going to I'm going to grab this this male student and let's go find a basketball hoop and, and shoot some hoops. Yep. And and you don't even have to say anything. No, I'd encourage you, just, you not to. Right. You know, just be there 
and if if the spirit prompts you to to ask a question or, or or say something but i mean you could just shoot hoops for like an hour in silence and minister more to that kid than if you sat him down in a desk yep. and grilled him with questions about his feelings uh <laughs> that, and now that i'm thinking about that that's i'm like but, yeah, but, that's but, an but, awful but, way but to it do happens that. right like that that right. happens a bunch is you're called into the school and 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 in the case of a, a traumatic school event you have an hour with these kids before they have to go back to class. And so right. they're they're trying to grapple with what the heck is going mm-hmm. on. Whereas if Kyle's saying, if you can get them after school, if you can get them the next day and get them just doing something, uh, an activity, um, odds are the, the, the floodgates are going to bust open. At some point, that emotion is going to come flowing out. And so it's just a matter of, of being there for them. And then the last thing I want to say before I, I dive into my story is – you have to understand the long game of tragedy, right? There, there, are, there are two stages to every tragedy. The first one is the aftermath, the immediate impact of what just happened. There, there's funeral preparations. There is pieces to pick up. There is counseling to be done. There, there is a bunch of immediate precautions, right? There are, there are I have not yet seen a tragedy where there, when something happens that is massive, where you don't have just a deluge of people who just flow in and say, you know what, hey, I'm here, I'm, I'm there, I'm, I'm ministry to them. That's stage one, right? But stage two is much tougher, it's much longer, and I would say it's much more critical, and that's the long-term impacts, right? Like if mm-hmm. we talk about a loss of a life, those first two weeks after the immediate loss, you have family over, you have friends over, you have acquaintances over, you have meals coming, you have funeral preparations keeping your mind busy, you have all these things going, right? After those two weeks and the dust settles, it's 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 vacant, right? Yep. Everybody's gone. The meals aren't coming anymore. Like that is the time when you as a pastor are charged with really doing the dirty work. You're going in there, you're checking in, you're almost not being a pest, but you are saying, you know what, like how are you doing? How are you really doing? Being over there, carrying the charge, because that's when they're really going to need somebody, and that's when you got to step up. Yeah, you're going to want to follow up, you know, more again in that in that after that initial two weeks or yeah. or whatever that time period is. It, you know, it could be different depending on what happened, but you're you're going to want to uh, you know follow up again and again, just just making sure that that you are available if. If they want to yeah. process, if they want to talk, if they, you know, be available, if they need a favor, uh, yeah. you know, whatever it is. And and there are other, uh, you know, handoffs, too, because, you know, there are a lot of pastors that get, you know, especially walking through tragedy. A lot of pastors get caught up in, you know, I have to take them from point A to point B. Right. And, you know, it is my sole job to get them from, okay, this tragedy happened to they have fully come through it. They fully processed everything and they are perfect human beings. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just not the case. No. And, and some of this, you know, we mentioned earlier in the episode, like if you are single or married, it doesn't matter. Having some sort of a plan in place already that you have already thought about so that when this happens, you know, you know, okay, uh, you know, I'm leaving, uh, I'm dropping whatever I'm doing and I'm leaving, you know, if you are married with kids, then, you know, your spouse is jumping into action in these other ways, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, there are some connections and some relationships that, that you can build ahead of time. Yes. Uh, you know, start building them now 
yep. so that it makes that follow-up process a little bit easier. You know, a great example is, uh, I don't remember if this was something that I learned in college or from another pastor or whatever, uh, but it was the idea of, you know, we as pastors are meant to be, like, like we can be the emergency room yep. uh, when it comes to these things, but sometimes people need a long-term primary doctor correct uh, in order to fully process what is going on and so if it i think the number that was thrown out to me credit to whoever <laughs> told it to me cuz i didn't come up with it yep. but it, it was if you, if it takes more than 3 meetings with somebody to kind of process something or you know this this goes for a lot of things in ministry not just tragedy yeah. but if it takes more than 3 meetings then then pass the baton on to somebody because Mm -hmm. as a pastor you have not trained for that counseling role right you have trained to be or you have been brought up to be that emergency room person yep and that spiritual mentor but if there is long-term you know therapy or counseling or something that this person needs then have some relationships with some people in those professions that you can point this person towards say hey i want to get i want to introduce you to so and so they're a phenomenal counselor in our area uh you know i i would really encourage you to meet with them and and they you know they can they can help uh finish this or maybe not finish but continue uh this processing that that needs to happen yeah and tragedies don't come like as you plan right or they don't they don't come just as you're ready for them and so right now if you're not walking through a tragedy which i'm guessing most of the people who are listening to this aren't start those things now start gathering that pool of, of of counselors like don't look for that stuff in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to prepare, you got to do the, the whole thing. And so there are things you can do. Um, I'll never forget uh, Kirby St. John. He is a district youth director of all. So he's, he's the boss of Kyle and I, he, he's the youth pastor to all youth pastors. Uh, when he was pastoring in his community, there was a school shooting in his, in his school district. Yeah. Uh, a few lives were lost. It was this huge deal made. I think he actually made national headlines uh, many years ago. Uh, Kirby was one of the first people called to mm-hmm. be there for students. Uh, and that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't just happen. That comes from you as the youth pastor getting involved in your community, getting involved with your school by coaching, by assisting, by blessing your school. Those types of opportunities to minister to kids mm-hmm. in the schools happens because of a lot of prep work hard work leading up to it yeah and there are some you know prep conversations that parents can have as well yeah uh you know talking you know talking with you know your local youth pastor or or pastor or you know coming up with a plan of action like hey there's this counselor that i know like maybe we aren't currently like my my kid isn't doing any like therapy or counseling right now Mm -hmm. but I know who I would call if, you know, we ever were at a point where, hey, I think we want to look into this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and just being open and having the conversation. The other thing that is huge for parents right now, uh, and I find that households kind of go 50-50 on this, is, you know, any therapy or counseling or anything like that, uh, you know, you, you get like 50% of households that are like, yeah, it's a great thing, and uh, and you know we we do it or we have done it or whatever, yep. and you get fifty percent of households that are like, that is the absolute devil, and like it's yep. a sign of weakness, and yep. you know I will never go to therapy and whatever it is, like as a parent, like I would just encourage you, man, don't close a door that God might want to use yeah. to to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring. 
uh, you know, light. Yeah, right. I think so often we think that things are, we over-spiritualize things, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, you talk about the importance of three meetings, right? You're a football coach, Kyle. I am. If one of your players gets tackled wrong and completely tears up his knee or tears up his ankle. No, that's not good. You don't have the medical know-how to fix that, right? I I can drag him off of the field so that the next play could correct could happen <laughs> right but like yeah you're right i i have no idea what i'm doing but what you do know is that okay you just tore up your knee i'm gonna get you off your knee i'm gonna get yeah. you on crutches i'm gonna get you on a cart i'm gonna get you to a vehicle to get you to the hospital right mental health really is the same way right like we don't have as pastors to know how to how to deal with these things we can do immediate things here and now but to the point of kyle's talking about therapy and counseling there are people that god has equipped, has called and gifted to be medical professionals, like psychiatric, sorry, psychology professionals. There we go. Not psychiatric. Yikes. Um, psychology professionals. God's gifted them. They are a God-fearing, God-loving person who also knows a whole heck of a lot about mental health. Mm-hmm. And that being said, you know, we just, uh, the, the theme of this episode is- Break the rules, Break baby. the rules, right? There are a lot of those people that God has trained. Yep. But I'll I'll share a personal experience here, and then Please I know do. you have a story to share. Yeah. Uh, one of the people that God may have equipped is you, yep. and you know, for me, I when I was it was my freshman year of high uh, freshman year of college, I had two really good friends uh, from high school that were involved in a murder suicide. Wow. Uh, and and you know, I remember it was while we were all you know all of us were home uh, for for winter break. We hadn't gone back to school yet. And uh, our freshman year of college and, and just, you know, processing all of this uh, and, you know, getting together with some of my friends, uh, you know, again, tip to, you know, parents or students or anybody in that situation. You know, when we were all in high school, uh, we spent a lot of time just playing card games with sure. each other. Like yep. that was one of the things that we all love to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a couple days after the fact, we all got together uh, at one of my friend's house and we literally just brought out a couple decks of cards and started playing some games. Wow. And and there were, you know, there were some conversations that we were able to have through that and, you know, a little bit of laughter and uh and different things and and it was a really really cool uh moment just for our friend group to kind of process what was happening and and just come together and be there for each other. Yeah. Uh but one of the things that I have seen in my own life is that because like that stunk, you know, it mm. was not ideal to go through that. Right. But me going through that when I did allowed me to better understand where students are at when something like that happens to them. Right. And and it raises any any personal experiences that you have in your life as a parent, as a youth pastor, as an adult yeah. who, you know, pours into teenagers uh, anything that happens in their life that that you can relate to, don't be afraid to use right. those personal experiences and yeah. some of the feelings and emotions you went through to yeah. relate to them and say, "Listen, you know, I can't, I don't understand it exactly, but I sort of know how you feel, and yeah. I'm sorry. Like right. this stinks right now. Yeah. And so, you know, it may be that that God brought you through something in your life and previously." 
because he knows that you're going to need to tap into that feeling mm -hmm. and tap into the, whatever it was that you went through in order to help somebody else come through this, some, some, something similar. Before David slayed Goliath, right, he fought off a lion or whatever that beast was. And that, you know, like. It's probably a porcupine. Probably. <laughs> the Bible loves to embellish, right? <laughs> but, like, he makes it a point. We see David turns down Saul's armor. He doesn't take his armor. He doesn't take his sword. The very things that David experienced in his life prior to meeting Goliath are mm -hmm. the very things that helped him defeat Goliath. Right. And so to your point, even if it's meaningless or you think it's presumably meaningless, use those experiences because more than anything else, if when you are helping somebody walk through, they want to know that you have been through something that you got through on the other side and that you're here to tell the tale because that's the biggest piece. And that's, that will lead into, you know, when, when, it, when it comes to all of this, like I said, this is, this is, is things that I've learned, things that I've studied, but it's also things that I've lived because last year, uh, was probably one of the most traumatic and intense little, little over a year. I'm sorry. Um, of, I, I was getting some stuff. It was a, it was a Thursday, I believe. Um, getting the actual day mixed up, but um, I was I was just finishing my day routine day. I was about two hours from going to pick up my kids from daycare. I was coming out of the grocery store and I got a call, uh, and I had missed it because I didn't hear it. And there was a voicemail from a student of mine, a student who rarely ever calls me, never leaves a voicemail. Mm -hmm. And so I go, uh oh. So I opened the the voicemail and it was him telling me that his stepbrother had died. Mm -hmm. And they were on the way to the house uh, to, to be there. And so in that moment, you have that heart-dropping thought as a youth pastor of what did I just hear? What did I just process? This was a student of mine that I also had felt and who had been in my house, who I had been, had mutual connection with. And so when I got there, there was, there was police officers there. There was the family was there. It was one of the toughest things I have ever walked into and there you talk about in that moment having to sideline your emotions i didn't want to walk into this place people that i loved and respected people that i knew people that i knew were hurting and hurting bad i didn't want to walk in there and just be a mess i wanted mm -hmm. to walk in there and be a place of strength i want to be a place of you know what like i'm here jesus is with us in this moment because that's all you can do you're not there to fix hearts you're not there to tell people it's all going to be okay you're there to just bring jesus into it yeah and you know this is not this is not a flex this is not a a, a a good on me this is something that i think as youth pastors this is what we need to strive for because um the mom of the student who passed away when i got there said my son the one the, his his brother the one that was still living said you were the first person you wanted to call mm -hmm. that's what you are shooting for in your youth ministry yep. so that when kids are at their absolute worst they know they can come to you that is what you're looking for and so over the next few moments, we were there that we were able to just kind of be there and, and pray with them. And the, can I just tell you, there was about probably from me, I probably said, I know, how you doing? And that was all I said. I, I said very little other than I prayed with the group and I just gave a whole bunch of hugs because that's mm -hmm. all that you can do. Uh, you, that's all you can, you can muster up. That's all you need to do. And so over the next few weeks, I, I, I would check in with family. I'd be at their house. Uh, my wife was was a rock star. She took care of my kids because I needed to be there a lot, multiple hours, multiple days in mm -hmm. a row. Uh, a lot of my other church stuff fell to the wayside. 
we just talk about this is a huge thing. You got to break the rules. You got to break the routine. You got to be there. Um, you know, and I ended up going on to do the funeral and, um, you know, it's, you talk about being real and, and bringing Jesus into it. A lot of my community was there. And again, this is not a reflection on me. This is just, I got to s- share real hope, real Jesus, not a routine, fundamental funeral, talking about the real hope of Jesus mm-hmm. and eternal life. And, you know, that, that is, is the opportunity that we want to do again, right? We're not, um, it's not a Messiah complex. It's not a, like, I'm so great. It's a thank God that he loves us enough to be in this stuff with us. Yeah. And to get to share that with your community is, is next to none. And so I say all that to say, um, you know, like that family is still walking through it. They're still dealing with the reality that, that they're, 18 year old son is no longer with them that their siblings um are are no longer with them like that is a tough thing to wrestle with that's a tough thing to grapple with and so like the work's not done right like i might i have a special eye Mm -hmm. on those particular students yep because they're still dealing with it they're still grieving with it this is not a quick progression they are they are going through the five stages of grief over and over and over again and so like as a youth pastor you need to keep your eye on those students years after this tragedy happens mm-hmm. because they're still going to deal with it years after. And it's something you got to just be keen on when they're going through things. If they, if they rebel, if they resist, if they run away, you got to keep it in that perspective of they walked through it. So I got to go about this differently. And so, um, that, that, that was my experience and that was, <laughs> I will never forget it, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it's something that I hope I never have to walk through again. Uh, but it's something that I felt like God wanted me to share that part of it just because like whether you walk through something similar or you will take the pressure off yourself to be the Messiah. You're, yeah. you, you cannot be Jesus to these people, but you can sure bring the hope of him into that situation. Mm-hmm. And so be you, be real and just welcome God into it. On mm-hmm. the car. I, I was praying the whole way from the grocery store to their house, the yeah. whole way I was praying. Um, because I just needed God to be a part of that situation from start to finish. Yep. And you, you just, you got to take that pressure off yourself because you cannot fill those shoes. It's impossible. Yeah. Be, be you, be real and, and be present. Yeah. I think that's the, you know, those are the three big, uh, pieces of advice. Uh, that we could have skipped this whole episode. Could have just cut yeah. straight to that. I don't know what we were doing. Um, <laughs> we're that's, pastors. We're long-winded. It's kind of part of the job. It's true. It wouldn't be, but it wouldn't be a youth pastor episode if we didn't bring it back down to three main points. Amen. Now, would we? Amen. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's what we've got for for today's episode. Uh, you know, definitely encourage you guys. Uh, you know, subscribe, like. Uh, I don't. I don't know if Spotify doesn't have comments. I don't know if Apple Podcasts has comments. They have reviews. Uh, reviews. Can, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Give us a review, man. Please. Five stars. Uh, we'll take four. Our I'd sponsors would really appreciate it. Our <laughs> we have sponsors. That's new. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, but that's uh, that's what we got. Uh, how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. If you want to give us a shout out, uh, talk to us about you know what's going on uh, with you with your youth ministry. Um, unless you are a parent or a student in one of our youth ministries, then we don't want to hear about it. Amen. Uh, but, uh, no, it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, for for Derek, I'm Kyle. It's been awesome hanging out with you guys. But uh, I'm gonna go watch a happy, lighthearted episode of The Office. Goodbye. Goodbye.